From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning, focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Hour, and uh, this is indeed the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it, and we're glad to be looking across the studio table at uh, Jim McCormick, the president of the Sacramento Choral Society and Orchestra, and you're actually wearing a shirt, which notes that. Bob, coincidentally, it is President's Day. So I thought I would celebrate by wearing a, an FCSO shirt type of indeed, thing. Indeed, yeah. indeed. I, I remember when I was a kid, there was no such thing as President's Day. Mm-hmm. Lincoln's birthday was the 12th of February. Washington's birthday was the 22nd of February. And both of those were holidays. And, and again, back then, you didn't get them on a Monday or a Friday. Yeah, you got them with, on the actual mm-hmm. day. And if it fell on a Sunday or a Saturday, you didn't get the holiday exactly. from school. Yeah. yeah. And I know in, in our public school district where I live, the teachers wouldn't let go of those I holidays. Sure. So they get the kids all get two straight Mondays off now. <laughs> because and they don't call it they just I don't know what they call it. They call it the spring day and then yeah. they, then they call the other one the president's day. Oh I see. They yeah. don't recognize yeah. Abe or George anymore. Sure. Yeah, but I'm, they're probably yeah. recognizing you as president of the Choral <laughs> Society and Orchestra. I think so, yes, exactly. <laughs> Well, it sounds like a good plan. They had a good thing going for them. They did. Yeah, they did. <laughs> try, try to give anybody to give up a holiday if you're going to have a fight. Yeah. Every month there's got to be some type of holiday yeah, for the community. Indeed. Indeed. You know, I was I was speaking of holidays, not really a holiday. I was so pleased uh, a week or so ago to see the attendance at Ash Wednesday services. It was churches are overflowing. It is not even a holy day of obligation. No, it's a holy day of opportunity. You know, <laughs> I love it. You know, great. but it, oh, it's just overflowing on a, a Wednesday. You know, and it yeah. was Valentine's Day too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it was a combination. Uh, and I know Sacred Heart. I saw saw great crowds. Yeah, at the the various services. So, well, maybe people are realizing that it's time to look in. I, you know, and I was so touched because a couple of family members couldn't make it. And they said, if, if you have friends, family who couldn't make it, we have ashes that you can take with you, Our, which we did. Ashes to go. Ashes to go. <laughs> I, I was like a full-service church. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's great. No, you're right, Bob. And, yeah. and, and you know, the, the bishop at the, at the cathedral, you know, on the steps of the cathedral, uh, not the cathedral, the, the steps of the capitol, it's, I think, exactly what the founders had in mind: freedom of religion, mm-hmm. but and and religion on a public square is exactly if if you can't have a religious expression on at a, on a public place, you have to be a property yeah. owner to <laughs> otherwise. Well, plus, Bob, you and I both know that when they built the cathedral in 1885, they situated it so that when you look down there. You the saw the cathedral. Are, you could watch those guys in the other building. That's right. So. That's exactly right. <laughs> they had a good plan. Yeah, yeah, I think the Sisters of Mercy actually had that land first. Wow, where the capital is, Talk because there's there's a, there's statues to the oh, Sisters of Mercy right yeah. there at the capital. Okay, I never realized. I that. think they. Uh, I think the state. Who do we have on? We had on somebody just recently who was telling me this story. I wasn't aware of it said that the sisters got back. Oh, it was Sister Maria Campos. She said that the sister, it, it was uh, uh, when the state condemns uh, eminent domain. Okay. The state wanted this piece of ground, and they gave them, they gave them what they paid for it. <laughs> I see, yeah. yeah. You will now be happy. <laughs> and you will now be happy. And <laughs> so, but the, apparently the Sisters of Mercy had that site first. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. All part of our yeah. history. Yeah. Wonderful stuff. So, Choral Society and Orchestra, you got big doings coming up very, yeah, well, very soon. Finishing up season 28, Bob. Almost three decades of bringing wow. beautiful music to our community. Uh, such a wholesome thing to do. Uh, and, you know, 23, 21 years ago, uh, we did this amazing work by the Bohemian Czech composer, Dvorak, the Stabat Mater. Um, it's essentially Mary's vigil at the foot of the cross. Mm-hmm. 
and we did it in uh, two, 2001. And uh, it's been that many years since we have, you know, bringing it back finally. So on March 2nd, uh, and it's a matinee, no more, right. no more evening performances for us. Is that right? Yes, no more. C- completely, yep, no matter completely. what we're talking it's, about. It helps families, it helps seniors, people feel safer coming downtown in the afternoon. Uh, so this year our board decided, okay, everything's a matinee. And this um, will be 3 p.m. That's right, 3 p.m. And uh, the concert uh, is, is, is at the Safe Credit Union Performing Arts Center. That's our new home when right. we're not at Memorial Auditorium for Christmas. Uh, and it will feature this amazing work that's rarely done in the U.S. It's done a lot in Europe, certainly in England, um, but not so often in the U.S. It's a, a longer work of 85 minutes. Mm-hmm. But we are pairing with it a, a really powerful work by Morton Lauritsen, mm-hmm. uh, excerpts from his Lux Eterna, mm-hmm. Movements 4 and 5, uh, Vene Sancte Spiritus, and then the Agnus Dei, because it deals with the theme of light. Um, and while Dvorak Stavat Mater does start out honoring the, the loss and compassion and sadness of losing people in our lives, it does, towards the middle part of the piece, it, it becomes uh, full of light and hope. So the Lux Eterna by Lauridsen really does complement the second half of Dvorak's work. And these are very Catholic composers. Dvorak was uh, really authentically Catholic. Uh-huh. Uh, without being a zealot, he he really believed in in nature. He believed in praying outdoors. Uh, I think I mentioned to you that he was fascinated by ocean liners and and, and, <laughs> and the, trains and trains also <laughs> modes of transportation. Uh, and he loved to pray outdoors. Uh, and when people complimented him on his gift of music, he said it's God's gift for the world. He he deflected the the compliment. So. You know, we're talking a fellow who was successful with his marriage. He was successfully, financially, he was very successful. So he was one of those rare composers that had his act together. Uh, And he was the late romantic, so we're talking late 19th century, Mm -hmm. about 1840 to 1904. Um, And as a late romantic, he's one of the few late 19th century composers who made it to the U.S. Mm -hmm. He actually came over. He was asked to head up the National Conservatory of music in New York City. And he did that for three years. Uh, and it was quite a change from his quiet, bohemian life. Mm-hmm. And he used to try to seek solitude in New York. <laughs> Good luck on Good that. Good luck on that, yeah. But he learned that there was a, a, an enclave of uh, bohemians who lived in Iowa, in Spillville, Iowa. And he somehow made his way from New York City to Iowa just to, to spend time with them. Um, and that's wow. Where, yeah, he got his. He was quite taken up by the folk music of his own country, but also of of uh, the U.S. as well, especially the African American music. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he wrote his Ninth Symphony, which is the New World, that famous symphony that everyone knows from the theme "Going Home, Going right. Home," haunting work. But that's not the only piece he wrote. He wrote a lot of other great music. So um, we're happy to focus on him. And in 2004, we took 120 of our singers to Prague, so because he was born just north of Prague, and uh, we performed Dvorak's Te Deum uh, in Smetana Hall. Smetana was his his mentor, mm-hmm. uh, and other people who mentored him were people like Verdi and Brahms, uh, and so he uh, he was propelled to the international stage by this work, the Stabat Mater, shortly around 1880. Uh, he made it big in England, and then came to the U.S. So he, he was a well-rounded composer. And he died in 1904. Yeah, shortly around the early 20th century, yeah. So he was about 63, 64 yeah. uh, when he passed away. Um, I, I, you, you had sent me a, a, a brief biography of him that was so fascinating. It's that in the village church, Dvorak heard sacred music by master composers like Mas- Mozart, he also enjoyed regular folk music performances hosted at his family's tavern and butcher shop, and I, I, I just, I just yeah. found that fascinating. Yeah. You know, but, but between presenting works in church, in cathedrals, mm-hmm. and really sacred music, and like stop it, oh, modern, yeah. and then performing with folk music at the butcher shop, yeah. I just, it's just fascinating because yeah, his parents insisted they wanted him to have a trade. 
Yeah. They were concerned yeah. that he couldn't make a living with music and things. Right. Luckily, he had the gift. He was stubborn, too. Um, and I have a quick quote about his legacy, Bob. It's pretty cool. Dvorak's legacy as a great composer is enriched immeasurably by his consistent childlike faith, untainted by a prosperous life of success. Oh, wow. So he, he kept the child, the inner child, inside him all the time. Oh, Jesus says, yeah. you must be like a child. Yeah. No, I mean, he wrote opera. Uh, he wrote a lot of great symphonic music. But this last work, uh, interesting, the great uh, conductor Robert Shaw, who passed away around 1997 or so, he discovered this work late in life, and he couldn't believe he had never discovered it uh, before he died. Uh, and it was the very last work that uh, uh, George Shaw, that Shaw uh, actually recorded. So in a way, it was his, his, his legacy to the world to record Dvorak's Tabat Mata before he died. Wow. Wow. So, uh, again, this will uh, talk about some of the uh, folks that are going to help perform this. Exactly, yeah. We have, Bob, we have an amazing orchestra for this concert. It's, it's enhanced by some additional string players. Mm -hmm. uh, Dvorak loved to have a rich, robust string sound, so we've hired extra strings for this. And we have four outstanding, and I mean world-class soloists, who are going to be featured with the large chorus on the Stabat Mater by Dvorak. Um, they are Olivia Smith and Bob, I have to tell you, she is a young Canadian. Oh, wow. From Penticton, British Columbia. Penticton. Um, yeah, right. Rolla program, opera program from San Francisco. That's fruit country. It's gorgeous. Yeah. It has its own climate up there, Penticton. Penticton is one of those places that gets warm in the mm -hmm. summer, yeah. and they have all the, the, the cherries and the oh, apples yeah. and the peachland, peach summerland, yeah, everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But she's in good company because uh, we're bringing in from New York uh, Maggie uh, Renee. Uh, she's the mezzo. And we're proud to bring back to the stage the amazing tenor, Salvatore Atti. Uh -huh. You may recall Bob yes. performed with us a Christmas ago. And he also was at Scola's concert recently. Uh, he sings with Scola. And he teaches here locally, right? At Holy Spirit Church, yeah. our school, I believe, yes. Yeah. And then from England, by way of the Bay Area, uh, uh, David Soar will be the bass. So we have four, uh, four professionally contracted uh, soloists who will enhance the evening. And it's quite dramatic. And the thing is, the entire work is in Latin, but fear not, we have amazing supertitles. And you can glance up if you want and just to enjoy. Uh, so uh, the end Latin is a beautiful language to sing in because mm -hmm. of the pure vowels. You know, right. So uh, we've got a large chorus, beautiful orchestra. Don Kendrick certainly got this under control. Uh, so it's a team of pretty well 200 performers on stage. Wow. Yeah, that's, uh, that's amazing. And so to bring this work, uh, we're going to offer a bonbon. We're going to offer an aperitif before the main work. Mm -hmm. So when you come to the concert, ladies and gentlemen, on uh, March 2nd uh, at 3 o'clock at Safe Credit Union Performing Arts Center, um, the opening work w is three short uh, little treats by Dvorak. They're called Legends. And they're little, simply little, little orchestra pieces. They're short. Uh, and they are very Slavonic, because you mentioned, Bob, that he was influenced by the, the folk mm -hmm. idiom. And so when you hear his classical version of these um, legends, they're basically folk tunes set for orchestra, and they really set the scene. So the large chorus will be on stage, but they won't be performing these three works. It'll just be Don Kendrick and the orchestra. But following that is a real treat, because we're doing two movements from Morton Lauritsen's mm -hmm. Lux Eterna. Now, Morton Lauritsen taught music for 52 years at the Thornton School of Music at USC, and he retired up at one of the islands off the coast of Washington. Uh, he's the quite San a Juans. Yeah, at the San Juans. And he has written some amazing music, and he still is writing. Um, so we have taken his work, Lux Eterna, 2004. We took it all around Europe, Prague, Vienna, Munich, Budapest, we featured it also down in Disney Hall in 2008 uh, when we did the Mozart Requiem. Wow. So we have a wonderful relationship with this work. We also performed it at, at Mondavi and at the old Community Center Theater. So we thought we would um, offer a teaser to our audience. It's the short first half of the concert, um, and uh, we uh, will we'll do two movements from Lorison's Lux Eterna. 
they are movements four and five, which deals with the Como Holy Spirit, Vene Sancti Spiritus, mm -hmm. and then the Lamb of God, the Unused Day. And uh, I, I, I believe that we have uh, excerpts for you. Um, this is from Morton Lauridson's Lux Eterna, and it's movement number four, Vene Sancti Spiritus. That uh, in uh, 2007 he received the uh, from the, he received the National Medal of Arts in a White House ceremony for his composition of radiant choral works combining musical beauty, power, and spiritual depth that have thrilled audiences worldwide. I'm trying to re I think that was George Bush was in in office yeah, then I believe in 2007. Yeah. Well, yeah. and and Morton Norris and his mother was um, heading. Up to on a part of her journey, so it, he referred to her as being in the twilight of her life. Mm -hmm. So he pulled together themes of light and redemption in this music. Right. So again, here's the composer thinking of someone. His mother hadn't died, but she was well on her way, and he wanted to honor her her departure with a piece like this. So wow. It's really quite powerful. Um, and they refer to his work as a breathtaking musical display of tranquility that matches perfectly the serene wonder conveyed in those timeless words, Lux Eterna, Eternal Light. And Bob, coincidentally, we'll have a CD for people who have CD players at the concert. We'll have CDs uh, with this work on it uh, available for sale. Very good. Just don't play it at the concert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't worry, we won't. We're too hard to. So, it's not a sing-along. Yeah. No, no. So it's really something. It's, uh, when we did the 2008 uh, performance at Disney Hall, uh, Martin Lawrence and he, you know, he's down in L.A. now and then, and we were hoping that he might be able to attend our concert, but he wasn't. He was up in the San Juan Islands, but he wrote an, a wonderful note to the choir about sending, sending my good thoughts and thank you for performing my work, and because it was in 1997, it won all kinds of awards, you know. So he's a gifted composer, really gifted. And he's yeah. still around. Yeah, he's still around. Yeah, yeah. He's in the late eighties, uh, uh, pretty well. Boy, fifty-two years at one yeah. institution Taunton school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Theory, theory, and composition. Uh, but he wanted to. He wasn't a hermit, but he wanted to have quiet time. And I heard the story that when he moved to this island, um, he could put two or three cars on the barge. You know, right, right. But behind him, he had this trailer, and on the trailer was this big box. And it was an old upright piano, oh. and the people <laughs> driving the barge were concerned of the, well, what do you have in there? Yeah. Oh, it's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and the barge and oh, yeah. yeah. But the piano was so out of tune. But that's what he used when he was composing this that's piece. It. I mean, just, uh, some of the bigger islands, you know, they have the big ferries that yes, take a lot of yeah. cars. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, but uh, some of the little islands, it's mm -hmm. just it's it's probably even once a week or something. Yeah, you're yeah. you're going to be able to go. You know. Yes, so. okay. They come in from the general store. Yes, indeed, yeah. indeed. But that music that you just heard, ladies and gentlemen, is so buoyant. 
Uh, so we, the Choral Society will be performing it on March 2nd at the Safe Credit Union Performing Arts Center. Uh, information at sacramentochoral.org. And, you know, I encourage people, if they buy tickets, call the box office, and you can save yourself a lot of online fees. Um, and, Bob, um, between Tuesday and Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., uh, if you call the box office, um, you can uh, g save all kinds of fees, and that number is 916-808-5181. We hope you'll consider joining us at European Masterworks, featuring both Dvorak's work, Stabat Mater, and Lorison's Luke Saterna. Tell us a little bit more about Dvorak and his own personal loss and how that affected his yeah, it's, it's quite a story. It's really uh, amazing how when people are hurting uh, emotionally and even physically, um, how in eight, 1877, his young daughter, Josepha, uh, she died in infancy. Um, and he started, he wanted a, a way to sort of express his grief. And he, he sort of laid the ground for this Dabat Mater, but he dropped it. He ended up not doing much of it. But then a year or two later, two more of his children died within a space of a total of three years. And that did it. He, so he resurrected the Stabat Mater and finished it by 17 or 1877 or 1880, close to that. So it was out of all this hurt uh, and despair that he decided to express himself. Um, and he, he, he wrote this in honor of his children. Um, the good news is he and his wife did have more children that lived, uh, but it was a... It was a hard battle for him, type of mm -hmm. thing. But he, he hid away, and he just used his talent that he said was God-given to write this large work. Um, and while the Stabat Mater does start off, uh, you know, honoring death and loss, uh, as you move through the music, you can sense this. Uh, when you get to the movement five or six of ten, um, then you can sense uh, uh, some light and transformation happening in the music. Uh, and so... He used he worked his grief through uh, by writing this large work. What do you mean by a movement? Um, so when uh, I should back up, and I apologize in that I forgot to mention that the whole Stabat Mater is uh, uh, is based on a 13th century medieval poem written by an Italian uh, Franciscan, uh, Jacoponi da Todi, I believe his name was. So in the late 13th century, he he wrote this text that dealt with the mother grieving at the foot of the cross. It's basically the, the uh, stations of the cross in the mm -hmm. Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's a certain uh, mood in, e in, in each part of the piece. So rather than have it be one long movement, he breaks it down uh, into the opening movement being the Stabat Mater, meaning the mother was standing there. And then he uh, uh, has a soloist come in, um, and I believe it's says homo, what what person would not grieve with you? Mm -hmm. And then the third movement, Eya Mater, here's the mother standing there on her own. Tui Nati Vulnerati. So each section, so to speak, think of a movement as a section, has a bit of a different mood. Um, and it's only tied together towards the end when movement 10 and movement 1, there's a bit of repetition to show. But it's symphonic in style. And so... Um, People and what, what we'll do, we're, we're going to encourage people not to applaud on the second half because it breaks the mood. Mm. Um, so, um, and so, for example, uh, just as a teaser of the medieval poem, uh, opening movement, a mother stood grief-stricken by the cross. Second movement, who is the man who would not weep with her? Uh, and then the third movement, alas, mother, fountain of love, she's pouring out kindness for the world. And then people that gather around her in the fourth movement, let my heart burn with love of Christ our Lord. And then the movement that we'll hear shortly, Tuvinati uh, Vulnerati, share with me the punishment of your wounded son. So it's it's very well crafted. Mm -hmm. And we'll, we'll come back to that. I thought if Gabe's okay that we would have the second uh, uh, sample. And this is, again, still with uh, our friend Lawrence and uh, Luke Saterna. And it's the last movement of the Agnus Dei, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. And it, it has quieter aspects of it. So this is the translucent movement that finishes off uh, Lauridsen's Luxe Eterna. 
God, I was on the air there for a minute. That's something, yeah, yeah. But it's meant to to calm and heal. And so you can see why the idea of eternal light is right in the music. Yeah. Again. And notice the orchestrations, highly strings, not a lot of percussion. Thank you very much. And so it will set the scene, we think, on the first half of the concert for what is to come on the second half, which is the longer Stabat Mater by Dvorak. Um and I'd like to make a few general comments about Dvorak's writing of this large work. Mm-hmm. I mentioned that it's a 13th century medieval poem written by a, a monk, a Franciscan. Um, and uh, the Stabat Mater, the key points I'd like to mention are the emotional depth. Is it ever great to go to a concert and not just be totally entertained? Um, and so this work by Dvorak is renowned for its emotional depth and expressive power. The music reflects the grief, anguish, and profound sorrow of the Virgin Mary witnessing her son's crucifixion. Idea number two as a key point, a symphony-like structure, uh, has a symphonic quality with lush, and I mean lush orchestration, and intricate choral writing, so the choir and the orchestra bounce off each other really well. And he combines solo voices skillfully to create a rich and evocative tapestry of sound. So you will be immersed with beautiful texture. Then Dvorak is known, because he loved his folk music of his country, he's known for writing music that has melodic mm-hmm. beauty. You know, sometimes you go to concerts, and if it's, if it's really contemporary, there's really no melody, and yeah. you can deal with that for a while. But anyway, it's characterized, this work, by its memorable and beautiful melodies, especially in, in the chorus, but also in the solo, soloists, because they interact a lot together. Um, he creates compelling tunes uh, that are evident throughout the piece, adding to the enduring appeal of the work. Religious inspiration is another key point. He was deeply religious, and his faith is evident in the Stabat Mater. The work reflects his strong Catholic beliefs and serves as a musical meditation on faith, suffering, and redemption. Mm. I can't think of a more appropriate piece for Lent. Yeah, uh, you took the words out of my mouth. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and b- beyond that, but wait, there's more, uh, universal themes. Um, while inspired by a religious text, the Stabat Mater speaks to the universal themes of loss, compassion, and hope. It transcends religious boundaries and resonates with listeners of various backgrounds. So while this work is Catholic is in the sense of universal, it's appealing for anybody. Yeah, sure. I mean, we've all had loss and, and you know, sadness in our lives but we all try to cope with it in different ways and then the good news um, when he wrote this work honoring his three young children who passed away um, in 1880 it was premiered in Prague and it was received with great success 
and right away England snapped it up and then later uh, brought it over to the Europe. So uh, this work became a cornerstone for orchestral choral repertoire in the U.S. In, the, in Europe, I apologize, not quite. hasn't quite made it yet in the U.S. That's mm -hmm. why what we're doing is a choral rarity. You won't hear this piece again in this town for some years, folks. Really? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's rare. And why um, is that? It could be the length, for one thing. Mm -hmm. The piece is 85 minutes, and most Stabat Mater is written by Pergolesi and Stanford are 55, 60, mm -hmm. and this is a longer work. It's also a, a challenging work for the orchestra and chorus, so a lot of like uh, amateur choirs might want not not want to tackle this, mm -hmm. um, and for some groups it would be an expensive work to do because of the enhanced orchestra type of thing, um, and then the other element uh, is about a personal tragedy that uh, uh, Dvorak experienced, and I mentioned already that this work came out of his sadness for his loss of his sweet children. So uh, we're ta we're talking a. Uh, 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 an, an, an unusual work. It's rare. Uh, and I love this quote here. It says, Dvorak's spirit throughout the work, Dvorak's spirit groans, laments, becomes hopeful, and eventually achieves peace by the prayer's end. So consider it an extended prayer, musical prayer. Wow. And uh, so the the transformation part, there's 10, ten movements, and some of them are shorter than others. Um, and no applause in between, thank you very much. Um, but the transformational part, switching to the light side of things, comes around movement five. Um, and uh, maybe I'll set the scene with Gabe. Um, this, this, this movement five uh, deals with, uh, uh, I'll be right there here. Uh, it's, it's, it's Turinati Vulnerati. Uh, and it's, if, if we mentioned that Dvorak was influenced by the folk idiom, and he was, this particular tune underlines that because uh, it's got a buoyant 6-8 beat to it, like a lilting, you could almost hear it in one instead of 6-8, or in two, I should say. Um, but this tui nati vulnerati in English, share with me the punishment of your wounded son who suffered so worthily for me. So with the mother, Mary, there are bystanders that are eager to share her pain. So this is the beginning of easing her burden. So share with me the punishment of your wounded son who suffered so worthily for me. This is the fifth movement of the Stabat Mater by Dvorak. So, Jim, you're just saying that the program notes are on your website now? Yes, we decided uh, because of it's the matinee, uh, when we finish, we have a dress rehearsal that goes till 1, 1 p.m., and then we have to have a quick lunch with our people, and we want them rested. 
So there's no pre-concert talk for this concert, which is rare. But we thought, well, in case, in, in, instead, let's get our program notes out early in advance so that people could access them and it could sort of serve as a pre-concert talk. So we have a former alum, a tenor, young tenor, graduate of Sac State, sang with us last year. And I'm proud to say he's doing his doctorate at Eastman, Great School mm. of Music in Rochester, New York. Yeah. And he's Eastman Kodak. Oh my gosh, exactly. They, they sponsored the big hall there. Um, so his name is Sven Joseph. Uh, and he is a student uh, of musicology, a doctoral student. And so we've asked him to write the program notes uh, mm. for the current year. Oh, very and good. And he does a great job. I mean, nothing like asking a doctoral student to I write was the program say. notes, you know, go for the gold. Uh, and so he's got them done. And so if you go to sacramentochoral.org under European Master Works, you'll see our concert. And then on that page, you'll see the actual program notes. So you can immerse yourself in, in the background of the composers and the pieces before you even come to the concert. So we're sort of proud of that. So you, you said, and uh, this really piqued my interest, mostly because you mentioned not lunch, but you rehearse, and then you have lunch, and then you go sing your hearts out. What do you have for lunch? I mean, I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. I, 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 I it's pretty light. I remember yeah. uh, as a athlete in college, you, you had to really temper your mm -hmm. when you ate right. and compare it to, and we didn't have all the nutritionists and yeah, therapists point. and all that stuff back then. You kind of had to do it on your own, you know, and you'd say, well, I guess I could have a banana maybe. Yeah. But how, uh, yeah, that's uh, a good uh, point. Uh, we have ribeye steak and ice cream. No, just <laughs> kidding. No. So we have two hours between one and three uh, to sort of get everything settled. And a lot of people pace themselves really carefully. Um, in the past, we've had quinoa, uh, quinoa salads, uh, yeah. lighter stuff, sometimes a, a little yeah. bit of chicken, uh, stuff that you can digest really well. Uh -huh. uh, and the meal would be done by two. Uh, so you hopefully have an hour to make sure. Is there anything digested. that affects the vocal cords? You want to make sure you don't have chocolate uh -huh. uh, that, uh, that would coat the uh -huh. vocal cords. And I think avoid a bunch of milk and things like Interesting. that. Interesting. Yeah. That's a good question, Bob. Um, and and it it's really makes it tight. But our people are really good. We, we make sure that we have either a box lunch. Uh, at Christmas, it was great. We were down in the lower level of the Memorial Auditorium. We fed 150 people. Um, but again, we have an hour and a quarter roughly to get that done. So it takes a lot of coordinating, and, and it's such a good team of people. They all they all want this to be successful. Yeah. You know, so yeah, it's really something. Yeah. Uh, and really, when I think of the dedication, we've been rehearsing these works since uh, January eighth, um, and this. So we only have a couple more rehearsals left: one tonight and one next week. Then we meet our orchestra on the first of. Uh, uh, March. That's a good way to start March. And and the 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 soprano, the mezzo, the tenor, yeah. the bass. Mm -hmm. When do they come in? Yeah. So the I do know that the two, uh, the Olivia and the bass, uh, David Sar, they're taking the train from San Francisco. So they don't rehearse until three o'clock on Friday the first. So they'll meet with Don Kendrick around two fifteen in the green room, and they'll run through some tempi of the different movements. So they, they'll take the train in on the first, uh, and then their, their rehearsal is at 3 p.m. We rehearse with the orchestra and soloists at 7 p.m. on March 1st. Then we have the official dress rehearsal Saturday morning at 10.30. Okay. So, uh, the, but that's the joy of dealing with professional musicians. I mean, they know their music, you know, and you can just make it happen. And how does Olivia get here from Penticton? Uh, <laughs> yeah, she's already in San Fran. <laughs> I'll um, bet she says yeah, that, and people say yeah. Yeah. I've never heard of that. Yeah, <laughs> well, and we're flying Maggie Renee in from New York. Uh, she's coming in early Thursday because we can't take a chance on flights. So we're flying her in a day early. Well, the boy, you, that's sure she, yeah. in this day and age, yeah. you can't. And we, we put them up at the residence in right near the, the right. Safe Credit Union Performing Arts Center. Uh, and then good old Sal, we, uh, Sal is from Woodland, California. That's right. So he can drive. Yeah. So a lot of coordination. And bear in mind, uh, we don't have any paid staff. Uh, I've been running this organization uh, as the CEO for 28 years with volunteers. Wow. And coordinating, we're talking orchestra personnel coordinating. I mean, that that's one of my favorite volunteers who does that, Cheryl. That's quite a 
It's quite a lot, and we've been doing it now it's, for twenty eight years. It's yeah. love of the love of what you're doing. Well, they're good people, and I I love the fact that I spend my days thanking people. Yeah, it's it's wholesome. Gratitude is a wholesome thing. <laughs> you know that indeed it is. So, uh, but anyway, I can't speak highly enough of this work. It, it it will get inside you. You'll see, and I want people to know that while it's dealing with loss and compassion, uh, it's it's universal. And the fact that when you finish, um, you feel that you have transcended some some hurt in your life, kind right. of thing. And then at five twenty in the afternoon, when we finish, there's a short reception to meet the artists. Oh, very you know, good. It's in the in the lobby. It's free. Uh, come and get some pictures taken. Have some fun. Shake a few hands. Buy a ton of CDs. Yeah. Thing. So well, and the nice thing too, uh, you know, for for people the three. 3 p.m. start if if they want to make an evening of going out to dinner in in, in midtown uh, yeah. there you are you're just exactly. within walking distance yeah. of a yeah. lot of pretty darn good restaurants exactly and the concert will be done by 5:20 and again ladies and gentlemen uh, you can buy tickets online at sacramentocoral.org but I strongly encourage you to call the box office at 916-808-5181 there's no fee that will be charged by phone and you'll That's save good. a ton of money. And we'd love to have you there. Uh, it's just, it means a lot to us to sing and perform for a good-sized audience. Jim, the, the other Stabat Maters, they're almost always very religious composers? Um, not, no. It's not necessarily. They love the text. See, composers have this thing about quality text mm -hmm. and quality poetry. Uh, so Brahms, he wasn't really religious. Mm -hmm. he, was, he wasn't agnostic. But he, he uh, unlike Dvorak, who was, um, uh, but there were, I guess, Pergolesi was. Uh, Stanford, yes, but but I think leading the pack is our friend Anton Dvorak. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he, he, li he walked that walk. Yeah. You know what I mean? And his love of nature, he, he could see God in nature. Sure. Type of thing. And I got a kick out of the fact that he loved ocean liners and trains. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> really something. You know, here's a guy yeah. that came over from a small bohemian village to New York City. Yeah. And he was looking for quiet time. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why when he made his he way up to in Iowa. Spillville, <laughs> Iowa. <laughs> so it's fascinating. And, and I am impressed that he's one of the late romantic composers that made it to the U.S. I mean, yeah. that, that wasn't easy to do back in 1890. You know? No, no, no uh, not at all. So, uh, that's a long voyage. Yeah. So we're, we're proud. We're, we're proud to be featuring uh, Anton Dvorak and, and Morton Lauritsen, especially uh, at this concert. And we hope that our people will join us. Very good. Very good. Do you have one more piece for us? Yeah, yeah. I thought, um, so I mentioned that there was some transformation happening. Uh, and uh, after the piece that you just heard, uh, the next movement is uh, Let Me Mingle Tears With Thee. Uh, but we're heading into one of my favorite movements, uh, Movement 8, uh, and it's Virgo Virginium Prima Clara, Virgin of All Virgins Best. And Bob, it's simply a hymn to the Virgin saying, I will lift my soul to thee. Um, so you sense a, some type of resurrection. So this is uh, the uh, uh, seventh movement, a virgin of all virgins best, a hymn to the virgin.
Welcome back. We're with uh, Jim McCormick, the president of the Sacramento Choral Society and Orchestra. And uh, Jim, uh, we just didn't have a couple of minutes here, but uh, you're going to tour this summer. We've decided it will have been five years, Bob. So now that the pandemic is sort of in our rearview mirror. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> sort of. That's the term we use. Uh, we have planned an amazing international tour, all self-funded, of course, with our members. Um, we're going to sing Mozart's stunning Requiem in northern Italy, in the Lake Como area. Oh, wow. Uh, we land in Milan. We hope to see the Last Supper uh, in Milan. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people will probably go shopping. <laughs> but um, that, And then we're heading up to uh, Lake Como and Lake Maggiore. And uh, we're doing a smaller venues tour in Stresa, Rapello, Cinque Terre. And these are s- smaller uh venues, churches that have working organs, beautiful mm. pipe organs that are in no, no sight line problems with the conductor. And so we have a choir of about 70 coming with us and quite a few guests, uh, two busloads, 100 people. Uh, and it's northern Italy, which is just an amazing part of the world. Lake Como is as famous as Lake Tahoe. Basically, yeah. exactly, yeah. yeah. And uh, so we'll be there. Uh, it's a 10 days. Uh, we'll be there for 10 days. And a lot of people are going early. Uh, they're going to Verona to the, the wonderful opera. Um, and then uh, some people are staying on. They might go to Switzerland. Um, and uh, we'll take uh, one of our own sopranos is going to be a soprano soloist from Scola, Sarah, Sarah C. She'll join us. Uh, and then we'll hire three professional soloists over there. Oh, okay. So no orchestra. We'll have Ryan Enright on these amazing pipe organs. I was going to say, right, yeah, it yeah. sounds like a trip made for um, Ryan. Yeah, it is. Yeah, he's our ten-fingered orchestra. Yeah. And uh, so we're looking forward to that. It will be like old times, sake to do this because, again, it will have been five years. Jim, we only got about a minute or so, but May the 4th, 3 p.m., Rogers and Hammerstein celebration with show tunes from Oklahoma, Carousel, Sound of Music, my favorite movie. King and I, South Pacific and others. That it's, sounds it's, like a lot of fun. 17 years ago we did it. It's been 17 years. Wow. And so Don Kendrick will be the Stan Kenton on the stage. Our members uh, get to dress up. They don't have to wear their black dress, yeah. for goodness sake. Um, and uh, there'll be quizzes when Don Kendrick turns to the audience and says, okay, 1947 uh-huh. was the first star. in." Yeah, you know, yeah. uh, and so that's a lot of fun. No pre-concert talk, because the pre-concert talk will be during the concert, right. raising questions. Uh, people would probably want to tap their toes and sing along. Yeah. Uh, and the soloists are all Broadway soloists. So it's a different style, as you know. Um, so Jerry Lee, the, the bass, is from Roseville, Ontario, mm-hmm. <laughs> Roseville, California. <laughs> and uh, we've got some great, uh, the one, uh, Krista Weigel, is the mezzo coming from Oklahoma. Um, and Jenna McIntyre from the Bay Area is just going to tear the wallpaper off the Safe Credit Union. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a real trip down um, memory lane. And Rogers and Hammerstein, they're run by Concord Theatricals now. They are sending 20 high-resolution photos that we hope to shine behind the choir. Oh, wonderful. That will talk about the king and I and, you know, carousel. So if you walk through a storm, hold your head up high. Yeah, that, oh, that just sounds fascinating. Yeah, it's a great way to end the year. Yeah. Uh, and it shows our mission is to do a variety of choral orchestral music. So here we are. Uh, we're going to let her hair down. Can I buy a ticket already? Uh, yes, you sure can. Yeah, yeah. good. Yeah, good. Yeah, Sign me up. one eight one. So, it's a, yeah, it's a great way to cap season 28 with Rodgers and Hammerstein and then a memorable tour to northern Italy with Mozart. Very good. Jim, always a joy to have you. Thanks for all you and the Choral Society and Orchestra and Thanks Don Kendrick, of course, do for, for this great Sacramento you area. You brought us so much encouragement over the years. Thank you, Bob. Thanks, Jim. We'll take a quick break. Back with more on the Bishop's Hour right after this. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at their thrift store, a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue. Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8 and Sundays from 11 to 6. They also accept donations at the store, donations of furniture, appliances, clothing, books, everyday household items. Your donations help to fund the many projects of the St. Vincent de Paul Society throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Do such wonderful, wonderful work, and the thrift store is uh, 
one of the the ways they uh, raise the funds to help people throughout the diocese and also uh, uh, many of their clients are able to access the uh, thrift store for uh, items that they need you can uh, give them a call they will come pick it up as well but you can uh, give them a call they're at 916-972-1212 and remember again the thrift store is open uh, seven days a week at 2275 Watt Avenue right here in Sacramento. Well, Bishop Soto refers to Christ the King Retreat Center as the jewel of the diocese, and indeed it is. What a beautiful oasis it is. It's located in Citrus Heights, uh, right in the hustle and bustle of the city, and you feel like you're getting away from it all when you uh, turn off the main road and just uh, uh, come into Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center. Christ the King has served Northern California and the Diocese of Sacramento for over 60 years through parish weekend retreats, individual spiritual direction, and a variety of other programs. For information on all the programs that they offer, including residential programs, give them a call. They're at 916-725-4720, or you can visit them at 6520 Van Maren Lane in Citrus Heights. And we certainly thank uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society and Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center for their fine and long-standing support of the Bishop's Hour. I want to take a minute to talk about the annual Catholic Appeal, the 2024 annual Catholic Appeal. So important here uh, in the Diocese of Sacramento. So many ministries supported by the annual Catholic Appeal and the the People in the Diocese of Sacramento have always been so generous, but uh, a wonderful brochure, you, a pamphlet, really, that you may have received in the mail, and on, on the back cover, a, a, a picture, maybe it's, front, I guess that's the front cover, uh, Deacon Kevin Staskow says, uh, I really think that everyone has something to give. When Jesus was literally dying on the cross, he found the strength to turn to the thief being crucified next to him and minister to that person. So often we have all kinds of excuses not to reach out to those next to us. Indeed, today you will be with me in paradise. And you look through this brochure and you will learn the many, many, many ministries that are supported by the annual Catholic Appeal. And uh, uh, 25% of your donation goes back to the parishes for social ministry at your parish. 50% supports charities, uh, Catholic charities of Sacramento, uh, and the members in that are Catholic Charities of Yellow Solano, Northern Valley Catholic Social Service, which uh, serves uh, Butte, Glen, Shasta, Siskiyou, Tehama, and Trinity counties in this 20-county diocese, and Sacramento Food Bank and Family Services right here in the greater Sacramento area. Also, associate members are Camp Recreation, serving Northern California, the Mother Teresa Maternity Home in Placerville, the Rancho Cordova Food Locker in Greater Sacramento, the Upper Room Dining Hall in Placerville. Many of you who have worked at those places are very familiar with those places or have availed yourself of the wonderful services they provide. 25% uh, supports education, sem seminarian formation, and Catholic school tuition assistance. Uh, partners uh, in uh, uh, the annual Catholic Appeal and Catholic Charities of Sacramento include Anderson Cottonwood Christian Assistance, Bishop Gallegos Maternity Home right here in Sacramento that does such wonderful work, the Catholic Ladies Relief Society up in Chico, Community Assistance Network in Greenville, Portola and Quincy up in the hills, Loaves and Fishes in Sacramento, which is just does wonderful work with the homeless. Sacramento Life Center, which has uh, saved so many lives here in the Sacramento area. Salvation Army Food Shelf in Susanville. The Society of St. Vincent de Paul and their seven district councils, the North State. Placer Yuba Sutter Butte, Sacramento East, South Sacramento Elk Grove, Sacramento Metro Area, and Yolo Delta and Solano. Also, the Stanford Settlement Neighborhood Center in Sacramento and the Wellsprings Women's Center in Sacramento, plus Yuba City, uh, Yuba Sutter, right to life, the two counties uh, just north of Sacramento. Uh, more than 100 programs provide things like counseling 
emergency fund, shelter and clothing, permanent and transitional housing, job training, pregnancy counseling, post and prenatal care, independent living skills, mentoring, parenting skills, after school care, refugee resettlement, citizen and citizenship and immigration services and jail ministry are gifts help people who are mentally ill, homeless, disaster survivors, immigrants, elderly, developmentally disabled, incarcerated, working families, refugees, at-risk youth, the unborn, pregnant women, the hungry, and single parents. Such a wide, wide range of our, our Catholic mission here on this earth and in this diocese of Sacramento. One of the programs uh, uh, through uh, Northern Valley Catholic Social Services is uh, the court-appointed special advocate program, which is operated out of all the superior courts in the state of California, and it partners with Northern Valley Catholic Social Service uh, to help kids who need advocates in the courts. Uh, they talk about, a, in this pamphlet, a, a young woman named Isabel, uh, who is devoted to ensuring a positive support system for foster kids now and for their future as appointed uh, as a court appointed special advocate a program administered with compassion and dedication by Northern Valley Catholic Social Service Isabel gives kids the voice they need in court to have a positive path in life she was once in foster care herself the severe trauma a child goes through is all too familiar today she's reunited with her parents has a family of her own and is focused on becoming a lawyer. Northern Valley Catholic Social Services uh, gives her the opportunity to advocate in court for children with stories like hers. Uh, again, the annual Catholic appeal, uh, give generously, give whatever you can, whether it's a small amount, a large amount. Also, more men can say yes to the call to the priesthood, Support from the annual Catholic Appeal helps seminarian Eric Patrick, who is pictured in this uh, brochure, to become Father Eric Patrick this past June. We've had him on our program, a de delightful priest. Father Patrick is earnestly hopeful that he can be a conduit for the experience of God's mercy and love. With coughs offset by the appeal, the 12 men now in seminarian formation can focus less on financial worries and more on preparing to serve in our parishes. The annual Catholic Appeal, uh, a wonderful, wonderful way to support so many ministries in the Diocese of Sacramento. That's going to do it for us for today. Thanks for listening. God bless everyone. Inside of me, I feel your spirit is moving.